President Trump's tariff idea sparks a backlash overseas and on Capitol Hill. Plus, is the State Department missing a multi-million dollar chance to fight election meddling? And president for life? Trump jokes that China's leader has the right idea. This is the State of America tonight. Americans are tired of being pushed around on the world stage when it comes to trade. This trade wars and dividing us from our allies makes no sense. We'll be in imposing tariffs on steel imports and tariffs on aluminum imports. Whatever his final decision is, is what will happen. If he says something different, it'll be something different. China is winning and we're losing with this tariff regime. China's great and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. Maybe we'll have to give that a shot someday. For decades, Republican and Democratic presidents have opposed this kind of appointment for life. It's a core American value. Hello, I'm Joe Johns, live in New York, in for Kate Baldwin. This is the State of America tonight. President Trump is locked in a showdown with U.S. allies in Europe as he ramps up the rhetoric over his tariff plan. The latest salvo came today as the president hosted Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the White House. Our country on trade has been ripped off by virtually every country in the world, whether it's friend or enemy. We may have friends, but remember this. We lost over the last number of years $800 billion a year. And as the potential for a trade war intensifies, Mr. Trump seems to be using his proposal as a negotiating tactic beyond Europe, saying the steel and aluminum tariffs, in his words, will only come off if a new and fair NAFTA agreement is signed. But the EU is fighting back, preparing to slap retaliatory sanctions on U.S. items like Harley-Davidson's, Levi's, and bourbon whiskey. Two of those products, Harley-Davidson motorcycles and bourbon, are made in Kentucky and Wisconsin, the home states of congressional Republican leaders Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Today, House Speaker Ryan urged the president not to go forward, saying through a spokeswoman that he is, quote, extremely worried about the impact. Other top Republicans are also expressing concern. On trade, you correctly identified the problem of China dumping steel throughout the world to destroy the American steel industry. Your solution is let China off the hook. It's only going to hurt American consumers and our allies. Please reconsider your solution. You're punishing the American consumer and our allies. You're making a huge mistake here. Go after China, not the rest of the world. The way it was handled, it would be like me going home tonight and having dinner with my family and saying, girls, I sold the house today. I mean, it, you just don't do things like that off the cuff. You've got the Europeans threatening us, the president's threatening back. This trade wars and dividing us from our allies makes no sense. But the president's point man on trade is refusing to back down. Lobbyists on K Street are in full throat against this. Who cares? We've got the politicians. Everybody in the swamp is rising up against it. You know, at the end of the day, we're getting a bad deal. And all we're trying to do with our trade sure. policy is to get a fair and level playing field. And this issue has even sparked division among the president's top staffers. Uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and economic advisor Gary Cohn are strongly opposed to tariffs. Cohn is even rumored to be considering quitting, a claim the White House is knocking down. On the other side, Peter Navarro, who you just heard from, and Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. 
But Ross seemed to hint that President Trump's plans are not set in stone. So this is going to happen this week for sure. The way he said it, 25 percent, 10 percent. Whatever his final decision is, is what will happen. Meaning this isn't a done deal. I didn't say that. I just said what he has said, he has said. If he says something different, it'll be something different. Okay. And whether the president's tariff plan is finalized or still in the early stages, the man who served as an economic advisor to the Trump campaign had a warning. We're at a very dangerous moment right now. Um, if I, I do think it would be a big mistake if the Europeans and Canada and China retaliate because uh, knowing Donald Trump, as we all do, uh, this is a guy who doesn't back down and he's a counterpuncher. And I do believe if, if they start imposing higher tariffs, then you're going to get an escalation. And that's how trade wars do start. And uh, one thing President Trump is, was wrong about is that, that nobody wins a trade war. Senior White House correspondent Jeff Zeleny joins me now. Jeff, the president is facing growing pressure from inside the White House and beyond not to go ahead on this tariff plan. Some say he's just fulfilling a campaign promise. Any sense where this is headed? Joe, that is a great question. The president uh, hastily announced this last week, seeming to change the subject from all the staffing drama here at the White House. There were uh, people resigning in subsequent days. Uh, Certainly the Russia investigation was in the news and in the president's mind. So he uh, quickly announced this decision last week, long before it was actually worked out. So what we're seeing now play out is a very public discussion of things that normally happen behind closed doors. You know, things are worked out. Uh, People have sort of disagreements about the details. But this, again, is a very public fight with deep consequences. Joe, I cannot remember something, at least uh, perhaps since the presidential campaign, that has uh, uh, pitted Speaker Paul Ryan, a Republican, against President Trump. They largely have gotten along and seen eye to eye on a variety of issues. Well, uh, today, Speaker Ryan came out very forcefully. He said that uh, these, you know, the idea of these, these, uh, uh, tariffs would be you know, just uh, terrible for the economy here. Of course, he's been stung with some hometown criticism. Harley-Davidson motorcycles are made in his home state of Wisconsin, as you mentioned. So this uh, whole discussion has become a very political and very personal. So the bottom line at this point, when is this going to happen? We don't know. I talked to a senior administration official who told me that uh, not to look for anything this week. It may go into next week. This still... Uh, it, is still being very much discussed here, uh, the details, but we see where the fallout is. So, Joe, it's anyone's guess who wins in this in the end. But the president, he has believed in this protectionist idea for a long time. So it would be hard-pressed to uh, see him back away from it entirely. The question is, will they sort of change it around the edges there, you know, some exemptions for some um, uh, countries, some allies. But that is far from certain either. So we'll have to watch how this, uh, um, how it's playing out all week long, Joe. A lot up in the air there, and it does sound like the timetable is shifting at least a little bit. So thanks so much for that, Jeff Zeleny. Now, to a stunning report on the U.S. efforts to fight foreign interference in the elections. The New York Times headline says it all. It's a doozy. The State Department was granted $120 million to fight Russian meddling. It has spent zero. Let's bring in senior diplomatic correspondent Michelle Kaczynski. Michelle, what's going on here? All right. Well, it's much, much more complicated than it looks, first of all. And and we knew about this. Um, The problem here has mainly been the State Department dragging its feet 
for various reasons. So they have this thing called the Global Engagement Center that counters disinformation and propaganda, not just from Russia, but also ISIS propaganda, uh, Chinese propaganda, basically covers the entire world. So Congress said, look at the problem we're having with Russia. We are going to give this GEC $60 million more money uh, for one year, $60 million the next year. But it, it took so long for the State Department to even ask for that money that they ended up not spending any of it yet. Now they're waiting to still get the next chunk of it. So they don't even have it in their hands yet. And the State Department is pushing back on the premise of this article, though. And they're pushing back on a lot of details. They, they say, first of all, it's not as if nothing is being done right now. In fact, they say that they have $33 million already in their budget and that Secretary of State Tillerson has asked for $20 million more for the following year. Again, this isn't just to counter Russia. It goes to efforts all over the world. So the State Department says it, it's not as if it doesn't want to tackle the problem. It was just a very long process. One official conceded that it did take too long, and that was not a good thing. It was mainly because there was a new secretary of state and he's trying to revamp the whole State Department, basically. It's not because they didn't want to try to, you know, counter Russian propaganda. How does it look, though? Well, they were supposed to have this money a long time ago. Just the fact that they allowed it to take this long doesn't exactly look like they're on the ball and on top of it. So you have the State Department saying, no, 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 we're already making these efforts. We are countering Russian propaganda. And then you have the reality that they could have had more money, they could have done more, but they didn't, Joe. Thanks so much for that, Michelle Kaczynski. The State Department obviously pushing back just a little bit on the version of the story in the newspaper today. Thanks again. Still ahead, top Republicans are urging Trump not to start the next trade war, but the president uh, says he won't back down from his proposed tariffs without first getting better deals in return. Our panel is going to weigh in on the trade policy turmoil coming up next. President Trump says he's not backing down from his proposed tariffs on aluminum and steel, but he's dismissing fears that this could be the start of a trade war. The panel tonight, Richard Socarides, former senior advisor to Bill Clinton and a writer for The New Yorker, Jackie Kucinich, you know her well, CNN political analyst and Washington bureau chief for The Daily Beast, Tara Setmeyer, uh, another favorite, <laughs> our uh, CNN political commentator, a former Republican communications director on Capitol Hill, and Rob Astorino, who spent a lot of time with us last week, a Trump supporter who served in local government here in New York. And Rob, of course, I'm going to start with you. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So this business of uh, the tariff, yeah. uh, at first we thought it was targeted toward China. We see the president's tweet today. It suggests it's targeted toward Mexico and Canada, who are engaged in NAFTA talks in Mexico City. Uh, and so the question is, does something like this work? The big problem we have, and we have a... a over a half a trillion dollar trade imbalance right now overall and 65 percent of that is with China so the ironic part is we send over raw materials we send over auto parts and then they send back the finished product and we slap a small tariff they slap a big one so there definitely is a trade imbalance I don't think and it's really with five countries Mexico and Canada being one of them 
I mean, I think we, we should not start a trade war. That's not good for workers in America. While it might be good for some, it's going to be bad for others. And, you know, we go to the store and we love our cheap products. You know, we love cars that do really well and they come from Japan or China. And we love our iPhones. Uh, but we also love jobs here. And I think that's really what he's trying to get at. I don't know if he's really serious about this, but I think he's serious about talking to his voters who depended on him for doing this. That's a no. That's a no. That's a no. Does this work? No. No. Um, protection, economic protectionism is a disaster for the United States. It did not work in the 1920s. In 1929, we had Smoot-Hawley. It led to the, pro- the Great Depression and the prolonging of it. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan did it and regretted doing that in the in, in the 80s. Um, you know, George Bush did this in 2002 with steel and it cost 200,000 ancillary jobs. Now, who is this good for? This is crony capitalism at its worst. It's good for the people who own the steel mills and maybe it right. saves a couple hundred jobs here and there. But there's only 140,000 direct jobs in the steel industry. There's about five million jobs in ancillary downstream industries that use steel and aluminum that could be affected right. by this. No. So, I mean, okay. you know, it does not work. It has never worked in history and it won't work now. Well, but, uh, but there's a political question here, right? We've got places like Pennsylvania that have steel workers, a midterm election on the way. Is this just a play to them? Well, and let's uh, think most importantly, it certainly changed the subject, right? I mean, last week we were talking about Jared Kushner. We were talking about the feud with, uh, with Jeff Sessions, the attorney general. We were talking about Hope Hicks resigning. Uh, and now, of course, we're talking on a agenda set by President Trump. We're talking about tariffs. Listen, I think that uh, with very few exceptions, all the Democrats and, and, and most of the Republicans are against this. I mean, the statement from Paul Ryan this afternoon is, was very strong, extremely worried. It's not like a soft condemnation, right? right. So I, I think, you know, it's bad politics, it's bad economics, it's bad diplomacy, and I think that before the end of the day, this will not probably go into Jackie, effect. the power, power of a campaign promise, though, this is something yep. he talked about again and again and again. And if he hadn't acted on it, there obviously are people in his base who would have come after him. Absolutely. And in terms of you talked about midterm politics, you're talking to Sherrod Brown. Sherrod Brown, who's a right. Democrat in Ohio, mm-hmm. he's he thinks this is great. If you're Mike DeWine, who's likely running against him, he's not. So it does scramble the map a little bit in ter- if, if this actually does go through, which we don't know if it will. Wilbur Ross said yesterday, I, I think he said, whether he, whether it's his final decision we'll, uh, or what will happen, if he, he said what he said, if he, but if he says something different, it'll be different. Mm-hmm. That to me means that yeah. I don't, actually it's kind of like a fortune cookie. But <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you really look at it, it they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know right. what the, if the president has even made his mind up here yet. Let me say well, something quickly mm-hmm. about the politics of this, which I think is is being understated. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald Trump does not really care about the economic policy itself. Mm-hmm. He's had a bee in his bonnet about protectionist right. uh, policies his entire career, 30, 40 years, because I think he sees this as a certain extension of American strength. And it's in very simple terms where he sees this as us versus them. It's it's almost like a like a manhood thing. Like, you know, we're America first and we're going to you know protect our factories. It doesn't matter whether it's an economically illiterate uh, approach to these things, but it does sound very good. I'm protecting you and our jobs first against these big, bad foreign competitors. But the pragmatic approach and what happens, the result of it, is actually not good for the people he claims to be representing. There were thousands of jobs that were lost during, when George Bush did this in 2002 in states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan as a residual effect of the tariffs back then. So 
by the time that happens, perhaps the people in the midterms won't know it, but it will hurt the people Trump claims to help. All right, so now let's move on to that story we saw Michelle Kaczynski talking about. The State Department gets, what do you say, $60 million or $100 million, a tranche here, a tranche there, whatever. I think the overriding question is the optics and whether the State Department simply uh, was not spending that money for some reason other than uh, budgetary propriety. Uh, priorities. The question, of course, is this um, uh, is this a problem for the State Department and the President at large? Essentially, waiting to spend 120 million dollars on fighting Russian uh, interference. I think they'll spend it at the right time. <laughs> no, <I think laughs> yeah. You know, look, they, they've well, got a, they've got this cloud over their heads, right? Right. And, so I think no matter what they do, they're going to get questioned. And maybe it's for their priority of let this thing go through, you know, let this scandal fade away, and then we'll, we'll prioritize. And the, to the me, amazing it doesn't make thing, sense of course, mm-hmm. was that in the office uh, uh, assigned to work on this issue, Russian right. interference, they had nobody who spoke Russian. Mm-hmm. Right. That was the yeah, really, right. that was the yeah. really, that was the kicker there. Well, right, not only were they yeah. not spending any of the money, but they had nobody... Yeah who could even speak Russian. And let's not forget that the Trump administration did lobby against these sanctions to begin with when Mm -hmm. they were going through Congress. So this does uh, follow a track that the administration has that that, that has started at the beginning and now we're in the middle of the process and they're still not doing anything. And And it follows the track Mm -hmm. that the uh, that places like the State Department have been decimated as far as staffing. um, You know, the the landing teams that went there in the beginning um, were a lot of people who really didn't even have expertise Mm -hmm. in these areas. They were a lot of Trump cronies. Um, and career officials at the State Department and other cabinet agencies have been horrified by these kinds of things because they're seeing that it's affecting policy now. And it's something as important as what's going on with Russia and what they're right. doing every day. We see that they, they have infiltrated our, our democracy and we need to do something to fight that. back and Trump okay. hasn't done it. All right. Uh, now, stop me if you've heard this before. A critic and a Trump supporter walked into a fundraiser and there's a, a joke. The pattern behind Trump's remarks on China when the panel comes back. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. We have a representative in Congress who they say was here a long time ago. They call her Pocahontas. They were like death. And un-American. Un-American. Somebody said treasonous. I mean, yeah, I guess why not? President Donald Trump there blurring the lines between jokes and jabs, and now he's at it again. Take a listen to what he said this weekend. Don't forget, John is great, and she is a great gentleman. He's now president for life. The president made that comment at an upbeat fundraiser for donors, but it didn't seem like a joke to everyone to hear the U.S. president praising China's leader instead of condemning his grab for power. The panel's back. So 
What is it about this president? He, this is the first comment he made about China's president extending his term, essentially becoming president for life. And instead of condemning or instead of being very serious about it, he makes a joke. And uh, that's what the world hears. Because Donald Trump doesn't really have any serious investment in foreign policy. He was a great entertainer his whole life. This is what he's been doing. That's what he's used to doing. He loves he, he loves it being in front of crowds and and tell, telling jokes. That's who that's who he is. Not realizing that as president of the United States, those things that you call jokes could have consequences on mm-hmm. a world stage. I mean, we're talking. He, he likes the, the president of China, right? He brought out Ivanka and had him there as, as guests at Mar-a-Lago last year. Ivanka got her trademarks in China, and they have a lot of relationship with Chinese businesses. So why he's never done anything to me? So yeah. it doesn't matter that China's a leader in you know in in human rights abuses right. that they are in cahoots no. with North Korea, violating sanctions. I mean, there's a lot of consequences to China, I and this president doesn't seem to care. Yeah. The, about the idea that this is a joke. Now, it's not a joke. <laughs> Will Ripley, our correspondent uh, in China, was doing a report on this very thing, President Trump's joke. And midway through the report, the Chinese censors yep. shut him down on the air, which suggests it wasn't funny to them at all. And and there was a report. There were a number of reports last week about uh, how aggressive the Chinese censors are getting in general uh, around uh, mm-hmm. the social media and so forth with this with this power grab. And you know, Tara's exactly right. I mean, you know, it, it, first of all, it's not really funny. I mean, no. when, when a totalitarian regime uh, announces that it's going to install itself uh, with with life with a life term, not really anything funny about that at all. But it's it's what other countries hear and what it, it, it signals to them what they can get away with, that if they try something like this, it's just going to be made fun of. I mean, it a, was a very serious, far from being funny, it was a very serious and quite profoundly sad and disturbing moment. Jackie, can you just remind us of President Trump's... Uh, coziness with dictators and authoritarian leaders. He likes strong men who like him. Um, He was talking just just last week, I think, or a week or two ago, about um, mirroring drug policies um, from the Philippines where they kill drug dealers. Uh, That is not an American Mm -hmm. (laughs) ideal. That's not due process. It's it's not a lot. It's not humane. So he really, if, if someone has never said anything bad about him, he is inclined to like them. And frankly, this whole thing about being president for life, if you want to be president for life, particularly in this country, you're doing it wrong. Mm. It is a tough job. <laughs> you got to change the Constitution, and it's a slight to all of the blood that was shed for the Revolutionary War so that we would not be under the thumb of a king or a dictator. That's how America was born. Maybe somebody should educate him. Go ahead, Russell. Can we all just laugh once in a while? Right. No, I mean, that's no, the no, question. No, seriously, no. seriously. Because it's hard let's to laugh just, about dictators. No, right. but let's, be, let's play the if game for a second. If President Obama, in a closed meeting with donors, made that kind of joke and everyone laughed, the right would, would lose Barack their Barack Obama, Barack Obama would never have <laughs> made that kind of joke because it is the not funny. Between, there's nothing the funny about uh, there's nothing funny about a dictator what announcing that he's going to be in office for a life. What's Last the difference word. between the president saying something? And President Obama actually opening up ties and flooding in money to Cuba, which is a human rights abuser forever. That was a wonderful thing. Obama did something. Trump said something, and it was supposed to be funny. You cannot and he's compare not the doing two. a Those lot two against our enemies. He's not doing ask things. In Cuba who well, I think we've got flooding well, Obama our shores for many, many Cuba, years. We've got a lot more to talk about, but we've run out of time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This is, thanks, you all. 
This is day 410 of President Trump's administration. That's the state of America tonight. Check out our podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.